Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, friends, and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast. I uh, just wanted to jump on today and get started with something that we're going to be doing an awful lot over the off-season, which is discussing any transfer links, discussing any players that may be coming through, maybe linked to us from certain teams, certain leagues, and uh, through certain outlets. And it was an interesting one that came up overnight last night. Philip Hellander, centre-half from Rangers, Swedish international. I thought it would just be something interesting and nice to kick off our transfer link um, segment within the actual podcast itself. So without further ado, let's take a look at Philip Hellander. As I mentioned, tall, rangy, centre-half, uh, Swedish, 27 years of age, playing with Rangers at the moment. Let's take a little further look at his biographical um, outlook. So he, as I mentioned, he was born the 22nd of April, 1993, which means that he's 27, going on 28 very, very soon. Six foot three and a half. He's a left-footed centre-half, which is pretty important i think in the greater scheme of things when we will look at him as to where he fits in with aston villa his potential fit should i say as we look forward um within this podcast itself so previous clubs that he has played for have been uh 2011 2015 he played with his hometown club of malmo uh, in sweden uh 2015 2016 he moved on to play with verona in the italian uh, in italy um nordic Players playing with Verona at some stage, moving to Aston Villa. Uh, one that springs to mind is Martin Larson. Maybe we could catch lightning in a bottle again like we did with Martin Larson. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it's just food for thought. Um, 2016-2019, he played his football with Bologna. And uh, from 2019 to present, he has, as I mentioned, played for Rangers under the tutelage of Steven Gerrard. Uh, some achievements that he has had within his career so far is 
2017, he became a full uh, Swedish international. He has won the Swedish top division on two occasions, 2013, 2014. And also, this very year, he has won the Scottish Premiership in the year 2020-2021. Arguably, his finest hour, especially at international level, came during the Under-21 Championships of 2015 when Sweden went all the way and actually won that championship. And that team itself was full with some very, very promising youngsters. And uh, it's it's interesting to see that, you know, what trajectory that they're, um, they've had very, very decent careers. Um, and maybe they're maybe 27, 28, maybe that's when they, they uh, go on to reach their full potential. And as I mentioned, Philip Hellander is in and around that age bracket. So uh, where have these links come from? So overnight, the list originally came from Sports Bladet. I think that's how you pronounce it. My Swedish isn't the best, and I certainly am not going to try and announce the headline that we have in the bottom right-hand corner. But this was also picked up by the Daily Record, and it was also picked up by the Birmingham Mail as well. Some really, really good write-ups there if you guys want to check them out and see well, see any of those write-ups there. Uh, also, I found it on the bootroom.com. Um, online uh, webpage as well. Uh, so it's been reported in various different places. It's not the first time that we've been linked with Philip Hellander. Um, we can trace Villa's interest back as far as November 2017 when Tuto Mercato had an exclusive. I can read that part. It was an exclusive that um, Aston Villa were looking at and they, they had sent scouts to watch Hellender to play in Serie A for Bologna. Um, it was also announced then in 2018 by HITC.com that Aston Villa were looking to renew their interest after scouting. They said there was more scouting missions were uh, were set up for Philip Hellander. And that was under the tutelage of Steve Bruce. And that was in September 2018. Also, it was reported that Aston Villa had sent scouts to see him twice uh, when playing for Sweden as well to, to check on his progress. So there are some historical links to looking at this player and to being interested in this player from Aston Villa. Now, I mentioned two dates there, 2017 and 2018. And a lot has happened in the club since then. There's been a lot of change. There's been a lot of overhaul, especially in recruitment, acquisition, and even at the team manager level. So what still remains from 2017-2018? So since the original scouting trip in November 2017, Aston Villa sacked seven members of their recruitment and technical staff. Now, this also included Ian Atkins, who was the then head of European scouting. You would have to imagine that the original dossier and that the original uh, reporting on him would have been um, part of Ian Atkins' remit. Now, that is interesting because we still continued to go and to... Um, we still continued to go and scout him again in October 2018, you know, under under uh, Steve Bruce. There was still some sort of interest, and Aston Villa had obviously seen something that they liked in him. But Steve Bruce, as we mentioned, left his role in, with the club in October 2018, and uh, you would have thought that that would have ended our interest in Philip Hellander. We've appointed Johan Lange and, uh, and Rob McKenzie, both as a director of football and the head of recruitment. They were appointed in August of last year. And you would have to look and think and see where uh, where the connections to Philip Lander may have come here. We don't know if we are actually interested in Philip Lander. That is important to state. But if we are, there are two 
connections that we have here. Obviously, making the very broad and vague connection between Johan Langer being a man of Nordic uh, uh, and, and of Scandinavian um, extract and the fact that we have a Scandinavian footballer here as well, um, Swedish player, uh, you could make the, the connections there. Networks, scouting, obviously scoring that, that area from a young age, Johan Langer may be very, very familiar with him as well. Rob McKenzie, on the other hand, where do we see? Do we see any links? Do we see any kind of connections between the two? Leicester have been um, have been also rumoured to be interested in Philip Lender, and they've been rumoured to be interested in him over a couple of years as well. Now, as we know, Rob McKenzie was the director of recruitment. He was involved, heavily involved, the head of recruitment, should I say, for Leicester uh, for a period of time up until 2018, I'm almost certain. So maybe the scouting, maybe the interest had had come from then, and maybe there may be some interest from Rob McKenzie from that era, era of time as well. So when we're looking at these links and we're looking at the probability of these links, it's important, I think, to see, is there any... Is, is this just agent talk? Is it paper talk? Where does it come from? Is there anything that we can extrapolate from previous uh, links, previous connections between people at the club and the actual player uh, himself? So there may be something we may be able to extrapolate from there as well. So just let's just take a look statistically. So what does Philip Lender bring to the team? Now, prior to looking at these, I do wish to give a little caveat. I am very heavily stats-based. I do love my stats. I do also understand that stats are numbers. And they do not take into account the strength of opposition or the strength of the league that they play at. So I do wish to say that at the very start here, that while I will be mentioning numbers and mentioning that Philip Lender is good or better than some players in the Aston Villa team with these numbers, I do obviously understand and fully, fully know the caveat that the strength of opposition brings when you look at Helender up against players playing in the Premier League. So now that that caveat is out of the way, let's take a look at how he for, how he performs um, you know, over the course of 90 minutes. So from a defensive positioning point of view, this seems to be a really key aspect of his game. Seems to be really good positionally, doesn't tend to panic, doesn't tend to dive in. We look at that when we're looking at, at his tackling stats in a moment. He does love to be in the right place at the right time. As I said, there is very proficient with blocking shots. So he blocks 2.6 shots per minute, per 90 minutes, should I say? 2.6 shots per minute would be absolutely fantastic. But 2.6 shots per 90 minutes, that actually puts him in the top 98 percentile. So that of all players in the all defensive players in the top five leagues. I'm going to mention where players fit in or where this player fits in in the percentile within the top five leagues in Europe. The bigger number is better, the lower number is worse. Okay, so just to kind of get that out of the way first. So when Philip Lender is in the top 98% of, of defenders, that means he is he blocks more shots and he's better at blocking shots than players, than uh, other players um, within the top five leagues in Europe. Okay, he also has uh, a pressure rate of eight pressures per 90 minutes, and that uh, comes in in the upper echelons within the top third uh, percentile as well of pressures uh, over the, the course of 90 minutes. So from the point of view from positioning uh, and getting in defenders' faces, or getting in uh, strikers' faces, getting blocks in, he's very, very proficient. When we look at his pressing and his tackling, he doesn't get involved in, in, in the press as much. So he doesn't dive in. He doesn't, you know, he kind of lets the play come to him. 
And he's more likely to stand off and to use his football intelligence to cut down space. So he's not the quickest defender in the world. He doesn't dive into tackles. While he does get pressures on, he allows the play to come to him before he pressures the player. He's not a rush type player. He doesn't he doesn't kind of run around like, like a headless chicken. Uh, he gets his blocks in when he needs to, but he lets the play come to him pretty measured. Um, when we look at his at his tackle rate, he doesn't dive in, doesn't make that many tackles. 0.8 tackles per 90 minutes puts him in the bottom 5%. So uh, he doesn't make that that many tackles at all. Um, from a passing point of view, he's not very fleet of foot and he's not really blessed with taking the ball out of defense. He's not going to dribble this ball out of defense and progress it on the ground as he's taking it forward himself. He is decent at passing and he has a pass completion rate. Uh, he, he, oh, sorry, the amount of passes completed Completed within 90 minutes comes at 38.2 on average. That is in the bottom 23% on. Doesn't isn't tasked with doing a lot of passing the ball out of um uh, out of defense. Um, his pass attempts per 90 minutes is 43.6. That comes in in the eight, the bottom 18%. He's not playing in a team that's very tiki tacky. He doesn't make an awful lot of passes. Just because he's in the lower percentile here doesn't mean it's a negative for him. It just means that the team isn't really tasked with playing the ball out from the back. Their defenders don't get an awful lot of touches and therefore don't have an awful lot of passes amongst themselves between themselves and midfield. Um, but the big thing that we want to look at here is that his pass completion rate is 87.6%. means he's very, very uh, judicious in possession, doesn't give the ball away. And a really interesting stat is he's more predicated to making that medium-length pass, which is a pass, any pass between 50, 15 yards and 30 yards. So that's what a medium-length pass is, is, is classed within um, fbref.com which is a great statistical website. And um, that's where he's, his passes, he makes most of his passes there and he makes 22.8 uh, of those types of passes on average per 90 minutes. And that's an interesting stat to remember as well. So from a point of view, he's better than average in the air when you look at him playing. I've looked at a couple of clips of him this morning. Um, he's better than his statistics uh, show. And this is once again, speaking about statistical analysis, it doesn't tell the whole picture. Um, he is in the bottom third of all heading metrics, but then again, not an awful lot of like he's not tasked with going up to win the headers uh, either in, uh, in in the Rangers uh, in the Rangers defense. He's really really seems to be that kind of real assured defender who's he's more of a stopper than he is uh, um, than he is a ball playing center half, and he's not one of these big dogs that goes up. He can win headers. He's got a good jump in him. He seems pretty athletic from that point of view. It's just he doesn't make an awful lot. He doesn't doesn't have an awful lot of aerial jewels. When we look at it there, he's aerial jewels of 2.2 per 90 minutes. That comes in at the in 35th percentile. So it just doesn't have an awful lot of aerial jewels. So therefore, he's going to win less jewels per game. And he do, he's going to lose less jewels per game. You know, he loses 1.8 over 90 minutes and, and, and his percentage of aerial, of aerial jewels won. Only does come in at 55%. That's probably a bit more concerning. The fact that, yes, he isn't making as many headed clearances um, as other defenders in the top five leagues in Europe. But the fact that he's still only winning 55% of those is a bit concerning when we look at what our other... Um, uh, our our other center halves are, are doing. So let's take a look at where he he stacks up against our uh, our own center halves. Now I mentioned as well that he's a left-footed center half, and that's why I've picked Tyrone Mings and Courtney House, who would be our two um, predominant left-footed center halves that have played this year. Uh, looking at him with, with regards to Tyrone Mings, 
He's in and around the same age. He's in and around the same height. He's a good uh, physical um, comparison to Tyrone Mings. Uh, tackles, blocks, and pressures, he actually comes out better than Tyrone Mings. Once again, not taking into account strength of opposition. Not saying he's a better player than Tyrone Mings. Just on a statistical basis, over 90 minutes played, he makes more tackles, he makes more, he has more blocks, and he puts more pressures on players. Doesn't take into account the opposition, as I say, or the playing style of the team. But it is important, I think, to highlight those two things. From a passing point of view, he actually plays more, he attempts more passes, and he completes more passes, and he's a better pass completion rate than Tyrone Mings. But the really, really, really interesting thing here is Tyrone Mings is a predicated. Tyrone Mings, when he plays the ball, he plays more medium length passes. And he comes in at 19.79 passes per 90, per 90 minutes. So if we're looking to get a stylistic fit or a system fit, if you bring in Philip Hellender there, who's more predicated to playing those 15 to 30-yard passes, you know, he plays 22.22 out of those every 90 minutes. Is that a, that's a better fit for maybe coming in to be back up to Tyrone Mings or to be a replacement for Tyrone Mings should we need to have one? You know, that's an interesting thing to think of. Uh, from a heading point of view, as I mentioned, uh, Tyrone Mings makes more headers. He's tasked with doing that, and he wins more percentage of his aerial duels. Um, that's where Philip Ender's numbers maybe don't tell the full story. But then again, it is important, I think, that even when we do are looking at a league of a lesser quality, you would expect him maybe to win more of those headed battles. Now, looking at Courtney Houses, they more or less the same height. Courtney Houses is um, is younger though than uh, than Philip Lender. Uh, once again, Philip Lender, he, Philip Lender actually out, out uh, performs him in uh, in in very much so in blocking rate. Um, Courtney House doesn't get that many blocks in. Uh, they're similar in the in tackle rate. So Courtney House makes as many tackles give or take, uh, than, um, than Philip Linder on a, on a, on a game-per-game -game basis. And Courtney Howes, it's interesting there to see, see the difference there. He's a higher pressure rate, not by much than Tyrone Mings, but it is closer to the, to the pressure rate of 8 per 90 minutes that, uh, that Philip Linder has. Um, from a passing point of view, I think we would all expect this. That, uh, Courtney Howes doesn't have uh, a lot of passes attempted. Therefore, he doesn't have a lot of passes completed. His pass, com pass completion rate, as we see there, is similar to Tyrone Mings, but once again falls short of the higher pass completion rate that Philip Lender was. And this is probably the kicker for Courtney House. We all know how much I love Courtney House, and I think he's a very, very good defender. And he's a very solid backup to have on this team. But Courtney House plays more long balls over 90, 90 minutes than any other type of, of pass. And I think that's fair to say we see it on the tape as well. So if you were to kind of come in and look for somebody who's more probably like Tyrone Mings to come in and to fit that mold, should Tyrone Mings get injured or should we want to maybe play a different system? I don't know. I don't know. Um Having somebody that's more comfortable playing that medium level pass probably puts you in a better position from a stylistic and a system point of view than having somebody who's less comfortable in playing, playing uh, those passes and resorts to a long ball, which is over a 30-yard pass more often in, in, for 90 minutes than than um, than Lander would. So that's an interesting one. That might be uh, a fit uh, for, for within the scheme and within the system. And as we know, Courtney House is just a giant in the air. He's just fantastic in the air. And, and you can't, that's, that, it's very important. You can't just understate that, that all he does is head the ball. He heads the ball. He heads it brilliantly. And, and 6.3 aerial battles won per, 
per game is is just it's up there in the stratosphere when you look at it amongst um amongst the uh, I think it's in the 90 top 98 or 99 percentile uh, when you look at it uh, in relation to the other top five leagues so if we were looking at, at an overarching piece here on Philip Lender, he does some things better than both of our left-footed centre half. He does some things worse. There are a lot of correlations between, and I think that's important to kind of look at, at both of those. So overall, the verdict for me on Philip Lender is, while I don't think, it, while I don't think it's an absolute nailed-on piece, I could be convinced to say that it is possible that we could be looking at Philip Lender. Um, his pros are that he suits the style. He's a decent system fit because of what he does in comparison to Tyrone Mings. He brings more pressures in defense and he brings um, he brings that medium range passing where he's more comfortable. The cons, I think, for him are it's debatable where we need him. It re it's debatable whether you know we go and we spend money on a backup left left back, uh, dependent on maybe what, what Courtney House's injury is like. Maybe it might be a bit worse than we thought. Um, I don't know. It, maybe they want to change that style. It's just it it is debatable. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. There is a question mark over it, and I think there's probably a question mark over his age profile as well. Coming into his 28th year, he's going to be 28. Uh, 28 pretty soon, you know, in the next 40 days or so, he's going to be 28. And I don't know, does that fit into the in, in, into the way that this team wants to build, considering we've mostly got younger prospects uh, to date? So for me, I think it's possible that we sign him. I'm not quite sure that we need to sign him. Would I be disappointed if we did sign him? I don't think I would. He's 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 grand. He's fine. Uh, he's not going to come in here. He's not going to blow the doors off. I don't think from what I've seen of him. I'm open to discussion. I'm open to correction. And as I say, no matter what player comes into Aston Villa Football Club, they will get 112% of my support. So thanks very much, everybody, for listening um, and for watching, if you're watching us on YouTube. If you're listening to us in the podcast, please subscribe to the podcast. Please leave us a rating on iTunes or Spotify, a five-star rating and maybe a written review. We'd really appreciate that. If you are watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel and give us a thumbs up. Also, if you have any comments uh, underneath uh, on videos that you wish for me to do in future, I would absolutely love to because I would love to do videos or podcasts on topics that you guys would see um, as being beneficial for you guys too. So as always, thanks everybody for everything you do for the podcast. It's, uh, it's really appreciated. And all that's left to say is up the villa. Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.